This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, friends, beloveds of God, the ones on whom the King of glory has locked his gaze. I'm so happy to be with you today. Today, I have as my guest, Karen Christakis, who's on staff here at Wild at Heart. Karen wears many hats, with one of them being correspondence. So if you've ever written into us, it was most likely the wonderful Karen that you interacted with. Karen is known around here for many good things, and one of them is her love of the Bible, her passion about the scriptures. They are the foundation of our faith, and I asked her to come in and talk about this. What I find is humorous is I thought we'd talk about how important it is to have a hard copy of the Bible, how Bible apps on your phone are so fabulous. They're easy to connect to wherever you are. How good it is to listen to the scriptures being read aloud while you drive or while you're at home. Hearing it nourishes your soul. It actually cleanses the spiritual atmosphere. But it's so good to have a hard copy, to feel it in your hands. In fact, I brought mine in. John was given a Bible 30 years ago. It's an NIV, and it has his name engraved on (laughs) it. And it is Kelly Green, although now it's, you know, more black. But it's mine. I know this thing. See, it's so good to know, you know, where a passage is on the side of the page or um, to underline it. And over time, it becomes a companion. A friend of mine lost hers last year. She was so deeply sad. And one year later, she found it in a random box she had been packing and her heart soared. I thought Karen would talk about her favorite versions. She has more than one. And maybe we will. But this deep woman has much more to say about the Word of God than that. But before we dive into this conversation, I just want to clarify something because this is all under the context that here at Wild at Heart, we believe that the Bible is the inspired, only, infallible, inerrant Word of God. I love this scripture from Matthew 7, 24. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So vital. So I'm so looking forward to diving in. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. So let's just start off with, how has your relationship with the Bible changed over time? Um, Well, I grew up with the Bible I don't remember a time not having multiple versions Mm. everywhere, all around. Really? Yeah. And one of my most prized possessions, like I think the thing I would probably go save in a fire is my good news Bible that I got when I was seven Mm. with like a, you know, those leather covers with the velvet cutout thing on the front. I don't. You don't? I didn't get one of those. Is it like a precious moments picture? Oh, no, no, (laughs) no, no. Um, but I didn't really go all in with the Bible until I was in college. And I'm not sure exactly why, but somehow diving daily into the Bible became nourishment and sustenance and mm. comfort and strength. And that's when my old Good News Bible really became decorated with like all colors of highlighting, underlining, 
notes in the margin, dates where God said something in particular. So that was really good. But this college that I attended was part of a really religious structure. And with it came, I don't know if it was communicated, but it was the message that was given that the Bible is very black and white. It's prescriptive. So it tells you, like even its stories, telling a story, it's telling you what to do or who to be like, uh-huh. not just saying this is what happened. Ah, So you read the Bible like, do this, not that. Even the heroes, the good guys, you read their life and about their life and you think there's something here that I'm supposed to emulate, right? There's yes. something I'm supposed yeah. to be like. Absolutely. And the bad guys, which it's really obvious who's who, right? Right. <laughs> don't yes. be like don't be like those guys. <laughs> so if you if you find yourself in this camp, like mercy and kindness to yourself, I've been learning that a black and white view of everything, everything neat and buttoned up, always do this, never do that is actually something a chaotic brain that is trying to deal with trauma craves. Really? Yes. So what I've what I've started to think about is like the more black and white I want it to be, the more I'm looking for my brain to be soothed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you've become aware of there's there's an internal thing going on right. that even affects how we well, of course, yes. how we understand, how yeah. we read the scriptures. Yeah. So with that view, though, the trouble is the good guys aren't really that good. Um, they usually have really dark sides. They've got some flaws, don't they? Yeah, but even I would go a little stronger than flaws, uh-huh. you know. And then the stories, especially, for example, in the Old Testament, they're not really prescriptive, like be like her, not like her. Even the ones we call heroes are pretty messed up. So I'm starting to see how it's more like, God is faithful. Like through through our failures, through the really terrible ways we mess up, this is what God is like. And mm. he doesn't change. And humanity is all oh, off the rails. So God doesn't change. Okay, I have a question for you. I'm going to cut you off right there because I want to ask, but Karen, aren't some things black and white? Oh, yeah, totally. Though I've come to hold the scriptures more loosely, that doesn't mean I don't believe it's true or inspired or given to us on purpose, I submit myself to it. And it's a relief. It's a relief that I don't have to figure all of life out. And I have a guide. And it's a relief that I'm not the one who determines what is true and where the where the boundaries are. Oh, that is so good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So holding the Bible more loosely means that when I come across something that's confusing or bewildering, and there's plenty of those, those stories, those places. I'm thinking a lot of in the Old Testament yes, particularly. Right. So I can choose to say, God, your heart is not on trial. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. God, your heart is not on trial. I mean, that is such a temptation when we read the Bible through the lens of our own culture. We're like, wait, how how archaic could these people be? How barbaric. Yeah, and we go, I don't like that, so I, I don't get it right. so delete but but if but if you wrestle with like I want to keep the bible speaking to me but I don't get that thing so then you're trying to figure out a way for god to be like this this horrible awful punitive god you either have to throw it out or you have to come to believe some really awful things about god when you don't know this the story where it's originated 
what the culture was like, there you know, you all go. those things. Yes, there's so, a lot more to it. Right. But the other thing is God's not God's heart isn't on trial, but neither is my heart on trial as I'm reading the Bible. Like if I'm noticing something come up yeah. and it doesn't feel neat and tidy or good or my heart's not on trial. I think God, he welcomes questions. He welcomes wrestling because there's something so much more intimate about that than just saying, well, God said it. So that settles it, you know? Oh, that's so good. He wants to engage us in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing is that God doesn't need me to defend him by coming up with a neat and tidy interpretation. You know, he can, he can handle that. He can speak for himself and he's <laughs> mystery. So good. So one of the most striking things I've observed in recent years is how God's word reads me. Not only do I read it, it reads me. It reveals what's below the surface, things in my heart that I maybe didn't even realize were there. So I'm I'm curious sometimes, is that what James or part of what James was saying when he says the word of God is like a mirror? You look into it and it shows you who you are. That is beautiful. I mean, I just love the sentence that you say um, that God's word reads me. Right. Absolutely. It yeah. reveals who we are as we engage with it. And you said just a little bit ago about how it surfaces things. So it might surface things. You're right. And it does. Yeah. Uh -huh. In ourselves. In our, can you give us some examples of that from your own life? Yeah. In the last couple trips through the Bible, something that has surfaced is anger at men. And what am I going to do with that? Mm -hmm. In the past, I might have just been uncomfortable by, for example, Lot offering his daughters and their bodies to the wicked men who showed up in Sodom. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, ah. Uh. And then wondering why, why in the world is this here? Isn't Lot one of the good guys? Kind of. And how is this okay? But now my heart is pricked and grieved and honestly enraged. Mm -hmm. by men failing to use their strength on behalf of others and actually using it to harm others. And so the Holy Spirit invites me to be curious. What are you showing me about me, about my story, the passions and purpose you have put into me? So that's the space I'm in now. I am allowed to let God's word prick me, surface emotion, surface baggage. It, it might not have anything to do with the story that I'm reading. You know how you can be reading a passage and suddenly an obscure phrase just pierces you. And you know, this is for me today, right now, in this situation. Yeah, right. I think that's part of what it means for God's word to be living and active, piercing all the way through to motives and the hidden places. Okay, I want you to pause right there. I want to go back to the story of Lot. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Because that is messy, and that's yeah. not sure not the only one that's messy right, in there. Right, like and reading the book of Judges. Come it's on, so Yikes. horrifying. Mm -hmm. So you said a couple things earlier that I think are so important. Um, one being trusting the heart of God. His heart is not on trial, and mm -hmm. we don't understand it. Right. We we don't. We, you know, it's not in there with examples always of how to do this. No, it's a historical. This this happened. This right. was the context of right. the days, and you will not understand so many of the scriptures unless you understand as well what was the culture, what yes. was going on. I mean, what was going on around them was horrific. Right. Right. Yeah. So just that, 
just that to go, okay, I might not be at peace with this story, but I'm I'm gonna just hold that, ask God to interpret. And if I if I'm not gonna come to an understanding, I'm not gonna let this I'm not gonna throw this out. I don't love well, him. Right. I don't. And why would we throw it out without an actual effort to know what it's talking about? Yeah. Digging into the history and the culture. That's so good. That's so good. I feel like we we're quick to do that, especially these days. It's kind of in vogue to be like, oh, that's so archaic. That's so not relevant, appropriate. No, not not sensitive and culturally, whatever. Anyway, we usually read the Bible filtered through our own experiences. And that's natural, of course. But I'm learning to approach it through humility. And that would require me to learn more about the culture, for example, of the time in which it was written. And the more I do that, the more I see that God is brilliant. He, like the way it's crafted, like his, yeah, the more, the more I learn about the culture of the time in which it was written, the more I see God's heart and his brilliance and his goodness. And like you said, Stacy, we can get really hung up, especially in the Old Testament. Like, God, did you really have to wipe out this city? And all the people, the women and children and everyone? Or why in the world are you giving this particular law? But really, if you know the world cultures at the time and the customs and the rules they lived by, you see how revolutionary, actually, the law God gave to Moses was. Like, the care and thought he gave to immigrants and widows, like women in general, was so beyond the time and then, of course, we see Jesus carrying that even further in the Gospels. It's just incredible. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, one thing I try to do, if I come across something that's like, seriously, God, how does this line up with, like, God is love or grace or whatever, is just refuse to make an agreement with the religious spirit. Um, even if what you're reading seems harsh or performance-oriented. Uh-huh. Just start with the bedrock that God is good and that he's revealing something about his goodness and his beauty and his truth, even if I don't understand it. Right, right, rather than mm -hmm. using it as a tool to accuse him. Right. Like, who are we to judge him? Like, right. go with the foundation of the, mm -hmm. what we know about his good heart and let him reveal that. Yeah. So back to my relationship with the Bible, young motherhood was a little disruptive with this. Um, with its joys and its richness, I think it brought some grief because the early morning times alone with God, they're just not really possible. They're not there, at are least, they? At least in my house, the second any child heard a rustle, yes. they're like, oh, it's time to spring la, out of la, bed. La. <laughs> yeah, Clear, surely mother would love, love to be with me right now. <laughs> yeah, there are seasons when it's pretty hard to have yeah. extended times. So. Yes. So my practice over the last several years has been to listen to the Bible through the Daily Audio Bible. I'm a big fan of Brian Harden. And yes. the just the gentle and persistent fathering he brings through like every day. And he ends every day by saying, I love you. And he means yes, it. I know. Okay, so if you didn't hear that, what we are recommending is the Daily yes. Audio Bible. It's an app that's free on your phone. Mm -hmm. So so th that means this is my fifth year going through the whole thing every every year. Wow. Yay, you. Um, fifth year. Well, yes. Of listening to it. Are we, is there more of you just reading it? Well, 
I don't, that is what, that is what I do right now. Uh I don't think that's a good substitute for real intentional study. And that's something that part of me grieves, but part of me also chooses. Because I think that the deeper you go, the better God is. Oh. And there's something really disruptive about that, Mm. about his goodness. And it's honestly hard to take sometimes. And so I choose distance, I think, sometimes. But that takes us back to the fact that the Bible reads us and it exposes our hearts and where we are in excavating our own stories. Okay, so you can answer this question if you want, but I was curious about that it's his goodness sometimes that makes you pull away. And and why is that? What is it about his goodness? Um, it feels safer to keep him at arm's length. Uh, I think. Uh-huh. Like, so when you read the Bible as do this, not that, or it's just real neat and tidy, you hold on to a religious view that God is after good behavior and his love is sort of generic. And, you know, just because he has to love you. He loves right, you. right. And that that's just disruptive. If if you're if you're learning from your story that you actually aren't that trusting. And uh, there's a reason yeah. for, for that. Right. You know? Yeah. And the intimacy that God is looking for, it's a little scary sometimes, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it really is an invitation of mm-hmm. excavation and deeper healing Yeah. Mm-hmm. that he is patient for. He's patient. He's not rushing in where you're not ready to go, but it's invitation. Mm-hmm. And in all of it. His heart is patient. Everything that First Corinthians 13 says, he's loving, he's kind, right. he's patient. You can say yeah. God is. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I was curious. Thank you for saying that because I think that's a lot of people's um, experience because right. we talk a lot about you see how loving he is. It makes you run towards him. Like, wow. But sometimes if your story, if you're in the midst, particularly of a season of discovering pain, of discovering a, a history that is filled with harm, it can take a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, here's an example of some of the goodness that you don't necessarily expect that you, it's just, you just are taken off guard by. So... A couple of months ago, I got to go to this meeting called a Socratic Scripture Circle. So we we had about 20 people, and we had a rabbi who was reading from a Hebrew Bible. It was so cool to see. He he would lead, he was leading us through um, this passage, and it's not really one that you would be like, okay, what's a what's a good uplifting story you can devote hours to studying. So we were going through some a few verses, just a few verses in Genesis 4, where we're talking about Cain and Abel. Oh, okay. Like, what are we going to get out of this? It's terrible family dysfunction, favoritism by the parents, and of course, it ends in the Bible's first recorded murder. But I could not stop thinking about it for weeks. Even now, I probably still think about it. Wow. Like, every day. And there's, there's too many details to really go into, but the big idea that haunted me was how God chased after Cain. He offered Cain his voice and conversation, which it, he didn't give Abel. Wow. So he kept he kept 
question, asking him questions and like saying like, here's the path of life. And a lot of this comes from the original Hebrew text, words that our English translations have missed, like God saying, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? You know how he asked yeah. Cain that? Yeah. But the Hebrew is not saying that. It's saying, if you do what is right, uplift. So that's the word that it says. It doesn't say you will be accepted. It says uplift. What does that mean? So, so Cain, your face and your mood will be lifted. Your gaze will be lifted. Like... Because you're like so focused, like, oh, oh, yeah, I brought my sacrifice. We don't know his motive, it doesn't say, yeah, we just know that it was not whatever the one that yeah, was looked at pleasing. as favorably, but we don't, we don't know why, uh huh. So, he, so he's saying, Cain, like, here's a way, here's a way to life, and lift up, like, lift your head. Oh, look at me, mm-hmm. and yeah, God again, God spending, it sounds like quite a bit of time. Talking to Cain, where Abel, the who we call the good guy, he didn't get that. At least it's not recorded. So, it it just causes me to think like God, your heart is so generous. You're not trying to make this harder and harder. You're showing us life, and you actually want us to find it. Oh, that's so good. He's saying, "Look at me." I love how you how you are bringing to mind his pursuit, and I I think of Hagar. In the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he reveals himself as God, El Roy, the God who yes. sees. And sees he pursues me. her, sees me, the mm-hmm. God who sees me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I oh, know. that's I cool. Love that. And and that's in a, another story that re- I really can struggle with. Like, Abraham, you're the good guy. Yeah. What the, what the, what? What the heck? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> what, Yeah. And that's where you have to know the culture. That's where you have to go, okay, that would not fly here, but I may not understand it. And yet I know God is good, so. And God choosing to invite imperfect people into his story. Yes. Thank you for that, God. So that so that, that story of Cain and Abel showed me again, like, I think sometimes, yes, there is a, human laziness sometimes, but also we don't want to dig too deep because what we find is that God is so much better than we dared to hope. Oh, like he really is. And it's, it's disruptive. Okay. Tell me more about that. It feels a lot safer to keep God at arm's length and to hold onto the view that God is just after my good behavior, right? Not my heart. It does make it neat and tidy, doesn't it? It helps you with, yeah, I just want to stay in the lane. There's no wrestling. There's no messy anything. But then you don't have to, you don't have to get messy. You don't have to wrestle with God. You don't have to get very close to him. Actually, that's, that's another random thought I just had was it just wrestling with God requires some close proximity. It you know, does. You can't do that from a room's length away. Right, right. That's good. And that's the invitation. Yeah. But that's another way. This is this is another way way where I'm exposing my own bias, right? Like God's word is reading me and exposing in me that I'd rather be safe by myself sometimes. That I do want to be safer. And there are times. There are times when it's just it might feel too hard or we might be afraid of what he asks of us or, and we keep our distance. I love what you said um, earlier about God's word is reading me. Mm-hmm. And so to be attuned to that, like what, what is my reaction? 
saying about me and where he wants to go because as you said, he's always inviting us to more, Mm -hmm. to the deeper. But also, as John has said, pressure kills. So Ah. I have had someone tell me years ago, like, stop reading the Bible until you really want to. Uh Uh-huh. So well, that's disruptive. I know. (laughs) That doesn't fit in our little neat and tidy list of, you know, ways to stay in approval. Um, It might be a good idea then to let desire compel us into more of a relationship with God through his word, not I should be. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that I sometimes need to ask him to quicken my desire. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a little tricky because you can't just wait till you feel like it. But also, if you have been doing it out of duty and obligation forever right. and ever, then yeah, there's not a lot of life there. Ha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might be a good idea to let desire compel us into more in our relationship with God through his word rather than I should I should be doing this. Still wrestling with that one. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. So what I'm hearing is so much that the scriptures are a doorway to knowing God Mm -hmm. and the goodness of his heart and knowing our true hearts. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we'll be honest and let our true hearts surface. So that means our hopes and dreams, disappointments, anger, confusion, frustration, the experience can be that much richer. So do I do I want to be disrupted? Ah. Do I want to grow and change over time? And do I want to have my lens for reality shaped and tweaked and expanded? So yeah, I want to change over time, but I'm not a big fan of being disrupted. <laughs> but I guess it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Yeah. And do I do I want a lot of facts in my brain or do I want to be shaped and formed? So that would be like the difference between reading for information or for formation. Ooh, yes. That's so good. I recently heard this thing that just brought me so much joy. And I think we'll have to put a note about this because- We can add a note. Yeah. So I listened to this, I think it was a sermon, but I heard it as a podcast by from John Mark Comer called Can We Trust the Bible? It's a series, I think, but I've only heard the first part. And I was like, okay, love this. So he talks about in 2 Timothy, you know how it says that, well, it says what, it actually gives us a pretty succinct statement. What is God's word for? Why did he give it to us? So he says it's for teaching, or Timothy says it's for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. That's easy to rattle off. Yes. Yes. So what does that mean? Every good kid in VBS learned that verse. (laughs) (laughs) Which you were, Karen. Yes. Let's, Let's be clear. Probably put that in the bio. (laughs) um teaching so the bible shows us what it looks like to grow in wholeness as apprentices of jesus wow like what a beautiful invitation not like i mean i keep saying this but like do this do this do this it's very different than being an apprentice and the word wholeness Mm. and then rebuking it shows us where we've strayed from the path of life correcting Like, how do I need to realign my life to wholeness as an apprentice of Jesus? But then this training in righteousness thing, this is what John Mark says. The Greek word here 
is a well-known word used in Paul's day to describe the process of growth that a Greco-Roman child would go through, like from birth through childhood to maturity. So it's like a combination of education, discipline, learning, experience, structure, wisdom, exercise, from, from a parent or a tutor. So that's what he's saying God's word does. Well, all of it. Well, to training in righteousness is the whole shebang. Right. So there's something about the regular reading of God's word where over time we are mothered and fathered, we are nourished, we're nurtured into growth and wholeness, but over time. Okay. There was something about what you just said that I immediately, tears just came to my eyes. Mm. That is so beautiful. No wonder, no wonder like we are meant to be in it, mm-hmm. to know it, to handle it well, to marinate our hearts in it. Because then in that place, he mothers and fathers us. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's a substitute for human relationship. And that's another topic next week. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Back with us next week. is. <laughs> but I do think it is one of the ways the Holy Spirit works through God's word over time, parenting us. Yes. As we let it really get inside us and shape us, like it like it just sort of happens. Even, I mean, we participate, we cooperate, but some, somehow even without trying, like we are shaped and changed over time. Oh. Yeah. And it's a lifelong process. And as, as you said a bit ago, God is patient. Just like you don't expect your child to know how to, you know, navigate complex rena- relational issues or drive a car when they're a toddler, right, right? Right. God is giving us a lifetime. And I think one of the ways he's He's given us to, mo- to mother and father us is through his word. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you have said so much <clears throat> and it's um, rich and deep and worth pondering. So can you just sum up in some way, what are some striking things that about the Bible, things that strike you? Well, these are a few things that have really, I don't know, they've really gotten through in the last few years, I would say. One of them is that God allows himself to be affected by us. Like, if you read the story of Abraham and I think it was an angel of the Lord or whatever was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. And Abraham's like, okay, well, wait though. If you find, I think it started with 30, but I could be wrong. If you find 30 good guys, will you just hold off? And God's like, okay. And he, he works it all the way down to like 10. If you find 10 or even less, I forget. Yeah. If you find 10 good guys here, will you hold off on destroying? And God's like, sure. Yeah. How about that? He invites a dialogue. Right. That we have, like, wow. A, a dialogue and we can change his mind. What? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one is that God invites us to partner with him. I mean, it's related, but yeah, it's not like a one person or a one being show. He is looking for intimate partners. And a lot of the times he chooses for things to stay the way they are until we work with him. This is amazing. This is one of the um, aspects of him that is so beautiful and that he is so generous. He doesn't need us. No. 
but he wants us Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. chooses us to partner with us to bring his kingdom through us and in us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And another thing that's pretty disruptive for me in the last couple of years is how God blesses the full spectrum of emotion. Not, Not only did he choose to have them recorded, but many of them are attributed to him. Like joy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got a personality. Right. Say, like, what else? What well, other? So, yeah, joy, sorrow, delight, anger, jealousy. I mean, and so many other things. But then then you also read the Psalms, and here's David, the warrior guy, whatever, strong, you know, everything. The, the Psalms have been really precious to me for a long time, and I think I'm just starting to realize it's because they give voice to a lot of different emotions that I don't always have words for or rarely have words for. <laughs> but the fact that they're in there, I think it just shows like, yes, God's like, yes, the whole, the the whole, whole spectrum. Right. The whole nine yards. And it, and it is, it's so beautiful to look at like, it like that because David is amazing. He is the man after my own heart, the flawed human being uh-huh. who um, has the full range of emotions from one passage to the next sometimes. Or verse, one verse to the next. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, you're so amazing. Also, my life is horrible. <laughs> you are faithful. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can relate. Yes. Yeah, so through through all of those, God says, this is who I am, and I have recorded it because I want you to know me, and I want you to hold me to who I say I am. Like, you're not, we're not, you're not just a passive observer or a passive experiencer of things happening to you. Like, I want you to call me to be who I am. Ooh. He says, this is how I work, and this is how I love to come through, and this is what breaks my heart. This is what infuriates me. And this is what brings me joy. So come join me in my story. Oh, that's so good. What struck me in the last thing that you said, well, so many things, but the I want you to know me. I want mm-hmm. you to know me. Yeah. And we aren't going to know him well if we aren't in the word. Mm-hmm. So, Karen, somebody who uh, it's just been difficult for them to read the Bible. It's just been uh, hard. Do you, do you have any encouragement or how would they start or what do you think? Um, a pretty easy on-ramp is listening like we talked about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Using a, a Bible app to yeah. do that. The daily audio Bible you get to read or listen to. You can read along if you want. You can do you do a Old Testament pas- or passage, a New Testament, and then the Psalms and Proverbs all together? So th- it's not it's not at all overwhelming. Oh. It's very accessible. Um, I would also ask someone for a recommendation of a of a translation that's pretty that's pretty accessible. I love the message, which is not a translation; it's a paraphrase. But I don't know that I would say. Start with a paraphrase. I think what I really love a paraphrase for is when you've read, say, like the NIV for 100 years, Uh and you can say it backwards and forwards, but and so it's lost its power. Like you're just 
going through the motions almost. And then you read the message from Eugene Peterson or something. And and it's it's so refreshing and so alive. But for starting, I would say just a little bit at a time. And ask God. I think He'll show He'll show you. Oh, I think that's so good. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. Really, ask God, and um, ask Him to ignite yes, the desire sure. in you. Ask the Holy Spirit to anoint the reading to explain it yeah, to you. I was right. I was asked once by a person who was reading the Bible and it didn't ugh, didn't get any of it. Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, none of it. Mm-hmm. And so at that point for their life, I just invited them to pray first. Mm-hmm. Pray and, and ask God what you should read and ask him to talk to you through it. Be be open to a word or a passage igniting because that's how he speaks through his word. Uh-huh. It's alive, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Karen, so, so good. Thank you for being a woman of the word. Mm-hmm. Thank you for loving it and for right now igniting others' hearts to dive into its riches as well, for allowing it to change you, yeah. to grow you, to challenge you. Like that, mm-hmm. that's really important. So may it be the same for all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being with us today. Yes, you're welcome. I just gonna just um just a little prayer of blessing over you, listeners. Today may have been challenging to you, or it may have just reminded you of how much you love the word, how it's a doorway to know Jesus, to know yourself, to have him interact with you through his words. And there's so much to it. I I would go back and listen to this again. Um, But Jesus, we ask that you would ignite our hearts, that we too would be men and women of the word who handle it well, who know it, who dive into it, who allow you and invite you to speak to us through it, to change us, to challenge us, and to know you more truly. You are the God who never changes. Your character is faithful and true, and you are good. You are love, and we want to know you more deeply. So would you come for us today? Come for us today and speak to us in many ways and through your word. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, till next time, friends. Bless you. Hi, everyone. This is Stacy Burton, the producer of The Captivated Podcast. If you've been a regular listener, you've heard the encouraging teachings offered and the incredible conversations Stacy has had with her guests. So wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. May you be filled with the goodness of his love today, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Mm-hmm.